Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Berhantu with me, Hafiz Rahman. Thank you so much for listening and making sure... Did I just screw up the intro again? Sorry. Let's do it one more time. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Berhantu with Hafiz Rahman. One more time. Hello everyone, thank you so much for... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Berhantu with me, Hafiz Rahman. Thank you so much for listening and making Berhantu your choice of podcast for anything horror. That's it. That's right, Hafiz. Bodo. Um, this episode is a very special episode because I received a very detailed email that I'm going to read verbatim. Alright. And um, I hope that you guys enjoy this story because it's creepy as shit. And uh, it's really telling of, of of the kind of people that you meet in your life, okay? So this actually involves a kindergarten teacher. So where are all my kindergarten teachers at? This story is for you. And to be more careful with the people. Tibu, <laughs> eh? Actually, you should be careful with everyone around you, lah. Huh? Alright, anyways, thank you so much. So I'm just going to read this email um, verbatim, alright? I'm not going to add in my own spin to it because I feel like it's, be- it's really well written. And um, yeah, this is a special episode, alright? <clears throat> Hi Hafiz, first and foremost, thank you for making my workdays more tolerable with your Bahantu series. Keep it up because I've listened to every episode at least twice and I need more even though I'm a scary cat. Although your voice is very soothing, not a creep, promise. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, the story below happened to my mom. Um, this happened in the early 1990s till the early 2000s. My mom has since refused to talk about these incidents after the Rukia sessions as it had traumatized her. Now, background story. I was 4 to 5 years old at that time. My parents were divorced and I was in my dad's custody. My mom rented a room in a three-room HDB apartment from her ex-schoolmate. The HDB block is at Haogang Avenue 8, facing Pungol Park, but I can't recall exactly which block. It has been more than 20 years since I stepped into that apartment. I remember my mom's ex-schoolmate as Chik Raha. She lived alone as she wasn't married and her parents have passed away. She's also clinically depressed due to her parents' death. Chik Raha's sister, let's call her Chik Liza, and family of husband and two daughters lived opposite her apartment. Each level has only two units, so naturally, their gates and doors were always open until 10pm when it was time for bed. I stayed with my mom on Friday nights, until Sunday nights, weekly, and the entire month throughout the June and November-December school holidays. These incidents happened in the rented HGB apartment over the span of two years in 1995 to 1996. My mom was a kindergarten teacher in the area and she usually ended work at around 7 to 7.30pm depending on what time the last student was picked up by their parents. So by the time my mom reaches home, it would be almost 8pm. Chik Raha would be in her room by then. Chik Raha does not like the lights switched on so the apartment is almost always dark. I remember some light bulbs weren't working or removed. The curtains were also always drawn. So what little light that was able to seep in through the ages was what my mom used to get to her room and when she reached home. At this point of time, there were no handphones, so my mom would just feel her way in the dark to get around the house. Even when she had to use the toilet which was in the kitchen, she had to walk past the living room and the dining area to get out to the kitchen in the dark. The first few nights my mom lived in the apartment, nothing happened. About a week later, there was an event at the school my mom worked at, so she reached home late, around 11 plus p.m. 
as usual, the house was dark. My mom said that her bulu roma stood up as soon as she entered the house. So she walked quickly to her room and put her bag down and take the towel and her clothes to shower. She had this small table lamp in her room, so she would switch it on upon reaching her room. Then she would leave her room door open so that she can use the light from the lamp to see her way to the kitchen. Alright? So that night, as she was almost reaching the kitchen, she saw long, thin, wavy arms coming out from behind the fridge. They looked like they were all boneless. There were at least seven arms and they were all beckoning my mom to come to them. My mom freaked out and ran to the switch and switched on all the lights in the kitchen. But apparently, Chi Raha removed the light bulbs from the light fittings in the kitchen so only the toilet light was switched on. As soon as the toilet light switched on, the arms vanished. So my mom quickly showered and ran back to her room. She was very shaken that she couldn't sleep that night even though she was exhausted from the event before. She kept praying and baca doa until after subo, then she managed to fall asleep. Since then, she would try to use the toilet by 10pm and stay in her room until subo the next day. Over the next few weeks, there were a few nights when my mom would be awakened by Chik Raha screaming and crying. My mom would go over to Chik Raha's room and try to help, but the door was locked and she didn't know where the room keys were kept. So she went out of the apartment and knocked on Chik Liza's apartment. But when she asked Chik Liza for help, Chik Liza nonchalantly said that it's normal due to her depression and to leave her be. After this incident, Chik Raha always looked like a homeless person when she came out from her room. Her hair would be matted and covered her entire face. Her eyes were always dotting around. She would mumble and mutter to someone or something that I can't see. She has always creeped me out, so I've always stayed away from her as much as I could. Things worsened for my mom as the months passed. She started having sleep paralysis. She would wake up from a nightmare only to find out that she's not able to move. She felt like her chest was about to explode from the pressure. When she opened her eyes, she saw a huge dark figure in the shape of a man sitting on top of her. As soon as she saw this, she tried to scream but it was like her voice was gone. So she would butcher the dua in, in her heart while shutting her eyes tightly. After a while, the feeling of being sat on went away so she would open her eyes just in time to see her room door closing. I think she was pumped with adrenaline from being afraid that she dashed out of her room only to find Chik Raha sitting at the dining table in the dark. Chik Raha laughed when she saw my mom running out and said to my mom, Engkau dah nampak? Then she continued laughing. Sekau dah nampak means, have you seen it? My mom was very freaked out that her hands couldn't stop trembling. That day itself, my mom packed her things and went to my grandparents' house at Tuapayu for the night. But since the Haugang apartment was nearer to the, to the kindergarten, um, my mom also had paid a year's worth of rent. She had no choice but to go back to the apartment a few days later. From then onwards, my mom bought a cassette player and paid a cassette of duas throughout the night so that she won't be disturbed by anything or anyone. It seemed like no matter how often my mom prayed or switched on the cassette, she would still be disturbed. The disturbances were less often but still often enough for my mom to continue to be afraid. Now, my... Okay, so sorry. Uh, at the same time, alright, there was this auntie. Let's just call her Auntie Susie for the ease of the story because I can't remember the auntie's name. 
So in the mom's kindergarten, there was this auntie called Auntie Susie, right? Who cooks for the whole kindergarten uh, for both the students and the teachers. Mind you, Auntie Susie wasn't the nicest person around. She would yell vulgarities and scold children for nothing. Heck, I even got scolded even though I wasn't a student there. So it was actually odd that most teachers liked her for some reason. Later, we found out apparently she put something in the food for the teachers regularly so that they would listen to her. My mom, being the only Muslim staff, she refused all the food from Auntie Susie even though Auntie Susie said that the food had got no pork or no lard. Because you know, she didn't necessarily buy halal ingredients and she was using the same pots and pans whenever she cooked pork dishes for the Chinese teachers. So Auntie Susie was rather offended that my mom wouldn't eat the food she prepared by her. Now, so she still wanted the, uh, Auntie Susie, she still wanted the mother to listen to Auntie Susie. So this is what happened, right? So she got close to my mom, patting her back, touching my mom's hair and clothes. Unknowingly, Auntie Susie was actually collecting my mom's hair to do black magic on her. Auntie Susie then started giving her things. At first, it was just souvenirs from a holiday. And my mom, who was in her mid-twenties then, didn't know that all these souvenirs actually had something dirty living in them. My mom only found out about this when the Ustas helped her. The worst item that my mom received was something in a cardboard box like a Happy Meal box size. The receptionist found the box on the counter after her lunchtime. When my mom held the box, she smelled something really foul coming from the box. She had this work bestie, Auntie Shanti, who was there at the time. So she told Auntie Shanti that she felt something was off. So she put the box on the table and used a tissue to open the box. As she opened the box, the smell got worse. In the box was some odd shape wrapped in some paper. There was brown liquid oozing out. Auntie Shanti got a pair of scissors to cut the tracing paper so that they can see the contents. Turns out, it was a pig's heart with its blood and strands of hair, which were my mom's, as well as pieces of glass and some kind of soil. As soon as Auntie Shanti realized what it was, she was so horrified, she went to the counter to ask the receptionist who was the one who left the box for my mom and demanded the principal to take action. At a point of time, there wasn't any CCTV in the kindergarten, so there was really no way of finding out who sent it. My mom was in the classroom, she was shaking, trying to understand what, what was happening to her. So once she recovered from, from her shock, she quickly went over to Auntie Shanti and they both t- um, took it, put it inside a plastic bag and double bag it and went out of the kindergarten center and threw it in the public rubbish bin on the first floor of the building. That night, my mom kept waking up a few times drenched in sweat from nightmares. The last nightmare was scarier than the previous one. So this went on for a few weeks until it took a toll on her health and her performance at work. It got so bad that the principal told my mom to take time off from work for two weeks to rest and settle herself. Now, during this time, my mom refused to let me stay with her. And by the third week, my dad figured that something was not right and called an ustaz to help my mom. He then brought my mom back to our house. And when he first arrived, he saw my mom was in a disheveled state and she flinched at every second at every sound or movement. So he started reading some Quran verses and suddenly stopped to talk to someone in Arabic. No one else was understanding what was happening. He then continued reading more Quran verses for about an hour plus. During this time, my mom was visibly more calm and wasn't as antsy as before. After that, he started asking my mom to recall what she was doing and what happened to her before this ordeal so that he can piece together what she is experiencing. 
So since everything she did was not of the ordinary, he then asked her if she had, if she had received anything or ate anything given to her. Then she said, she talked about the pig heart lah, you know. So she nodded her head profusely and told the Ustaz about it. The Ustaz told her that it was a form of black magic used by non-Muslims. He said that he felt there was more than one cause of the disturbances that my mom was experiencing. But my mom said that she didn't receive anything else. The Ustaz was adamant that there were other things, so they decided to go back to Chit Raha's apartment, okay, in Haugang. So he picked up a bunch of stuff, each time asking my mom where did she get it from. At the end of it, he found two keychain, a pouch, and a beaded bracelet. The Ustaz confiscated these items and asked them who gave it to her. So the mom said that it was from Auntie Susie. He said that all these items and the pig heart came from the same person. Alright, so that's when she broke down because she's like, why did this happen to me? Alright, so this is what happened. Um, the Ustaz did something to protect her from the black magic. He also told my parents that there is a bunyan in her room that is actually in love with my mom and that the bunyan wants to bring her back to his world. That dark figure that was sitting on my mom earlier in this story was actually the bunyan. The ustas also scolded my mom for staying in the apartment as it was very dirty and, and cleansing it would take at least a year. But Chit Liza, remember that Chit Liza was living opposite, did not believe the ustas, so she did not allow him to cleanse it. So the ustas only cleansed the room my mom was living in and pagakan her room. My mom lived there till the end of her tenancy contract. While she was there, there were still disturbances outside of her room, but the sleep paralysis stopped. She moved in back with us and remarried my dad right after she came back. As for Auntie Susie, Allah knows best. She resigned shortly after realizing that the bad thing she sent to my mom came back to attack her instead. When my mom came back from a month of unpaid leave, she told Auntie Shanti and somehow an internal investigation was done by the principal and the head teacher. Every staff member was interrogated and the findings were scary, simply put. But of course, there wasn't much they could do since there wasn't any evidence and Auntie Susie remained uncontactable since her resignation. Okay, so instances of the staff listening to Auntie Susie included one of the Chinese teachers buying a Gucci pouch for her, another teacher giving her money which she did not return, another admin staff kept giving Auntie Susie gifts every month. There are many other small favours but these were the worst I believe. When these staff were asked why they gave Auntie Susie such gifts and money, they were clueless. Like you can see the blank on their faces because they simply did not know what they were doing. Okay, sorry, did you hear someone say bye just now? I swear I thought I heard a kid say bye. Okay, okay. alright, I'm just going to finish this story. Um... So like you can see the blank on their faces because they simply did not know what they were doing. Some even asked each other why they did what they did for Auntie Susie. Preschool teachers back then didn't earn as much as they do now. So it was really sad that they used that she used them for her own benefit while they were earning peanuts. And this was a story from a Barhantu fan. Let's just call her A. Um thank you so much A for your for your email. It was really a good story and a huge and a great journey for all of us. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to end this. I am quite freaked out because I'm pretty sure I heard someone said hey just now. Okay. Uh salam malam semua. Thank you so much. Um I I'll see you guys again in another episode of Brantu. Good night everyone. Bye. <laughs>